Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Mountains don't move when we operate independent from God. You see, the disciples may have been in the technique. Jesus wanted them into relationship. I'm at my best when I'm in a lifestyle that recognizes my need of the word, my need of prayer, and a spiritual discipline on a daily, ongoing basis. That's when I'm my best. Sometimes the mountains of life stand before us, towering over us with all of their ominous rigidity. They seem impassable, but it could be we're trying to move it on our own strength apart from God. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that without God, we have no hope of moving the mountains in our lives. When we're operating independently from Him, mountains tend to stay firmly planted in our way. It's when we recognize our need of Him, our dependence upon Him, that they begin to move. Are you trusting in Him or yourself to move your mountain? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part three of his message entitled, Faith in the Valley. She said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And from the day that I accepted him, it's been five years, I've never had another seizure again. Now you say, well, that's, that, that's just that, that's coincidence. No, that's not a coincidence. So the next thing you need to write is this. Life in the valley is exciting because the power of God transforms lives. And that's what the world's waiting for. It's not waiting for dead religion. They're sick of it. Because they walk in and out of the church and nothing happens. Guys, we have to be careful. That's why I'm teaching this. I was going to finish chapter 17. I can't do it. Because God took me to the woodshed a little bit. I got it. You're going to get it. In a nice way. In a nice way. You see, don't look at people with problems like, oh, man. No, it's exciting because God wants to transform people's lives. Well, then the disciples in verse 19 do something. Well, you you recognize it. If you just blew it in the front of the crowd, would you go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, while the crowd's here, would you just kind of tell us what we did wrong? No, you wouldn't. You'd go, Jesus, there's a back room over here. Go, I can hear Jesus say, what, what, what'd you say? Would you? So what does he do? They go to a private place. By the way, do you like to be corrected in a private place? I do. I don't want to be corrected in front of you. Jesus does the wise thing. 
So they go to this private place away from the crowd. Crowd's making fun of them anyway. Already had been. The religious people had been. Look at verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? They're puzzled because they were powerless. When you come to Jesus, I love to know that he has all the answers to life. Look at verse 20. He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, the smallest seed there is in Israel, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, right by this verse, Jesus says the reason was there's a problem with your faith. You need to write this down or you'll misunderstand what Jesus is saying. It's not the quantity of faith. It was the quality of their faith. So write that right in your verse. It's not the quantity. Because he said, if you have faith as small as the small, little teeny mustard seed. It was the quality of their faith. I'll explain what that means in a moment. The other thing you have to understand is, we, when we read this, we don't kind of get, say to this mountain, what's up with that? What does he mean? Here's what you need to write. You have to understand what it meant then, and of course what it means to us now. A mountain was a very common term, and all it meant is a difficult problem facing you. It's something you're looking at. Could be cancer, could be a disease, could be a doctor, could be finance, could be you're trying to sell your home, could be education, could be a marriage thing, could be a child. It's a problem facing you. And Jesus says, well, of course, we know what the problem is, was this young man with a, a demon. And Jesus says, if you would have believed in your heart, and if you would have spoken with your mouth, look back in verse 20, I want you to circle something. It says, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can circle this word, say, say. You know, we're not into the the hyper faith people. They're going to have them with us, but we, we don't, we believe that's taking it too far. I don't believe I can just say to you this morning, well, I'm going to bring this situation into existence. I'm just going to use my words and, you know, my house needs to sell tomorrow. God, my house will sell tomorrow. I demand it by my words. Careful. You may not even have a house after you do that. <laughs> so that's unbalanced. But because of the excess, we miss an important principle. Jesus said, if you talk to the mountain. In other words, I realize that it's God talking with his power through me. Let me give you an illustration. Many, many Christians do a lot of self-talk. Not to other people, but to yourself. And you're always talking against yourself. I'm not good enough. I can't make it. I don't know why God gave me this. I'm useless. But here's how some of us get up in the morning. Oh, God. Another day. I'm a Christian. I know you love me, but I really don't have anything to offer this world. Man, when I was going down the line and being created, you must have been on a break. I got nothing. I'm just useless. Now we laugh, but that's how many of you do. Now, I'm not one of these guys either that stands in front of the mirror. It's going to be a great day. I'm tremendous. I'm the best looking guy there is. God's going to give me money. I'm going to be a tail, whatever. Come on, come on. But there is a balance. Can you imagine little David in the Old Testament? Big giant Goliath. 
David gets out there. With some of you and I, with these kind of mentalities, he has these stones. He goes, that giant's big. God, why'd you put me here? I got stones. Well, let's see what happens. No. What did come out of David's mouth? In the name of God, Jehovah of Israel, I come against you. Boom, over. See, it came out of where? His mouth. Because he believed it. Listen, where? In his heart. So Jesus says, when we have these problems, you have to be positive. You have to say things are going to happen according, don't go off the deep end, you'll see in a moment, according to the truth that's in the word of God. So what Jesus is saying is, if you would have believed in your heart, if you would have spoken it with your mouth, and if you would have expected the mountain to move, the landscape would have changed. This young boy would have been delivered. Well, that's lesson number one. Turn with me to Mark 11 quickly. Mark 11. Let me go through with you and give you a definition of faith. And let's judge our own faith this morning. Not, not the quantity, the quality. Is it active? Is it, is it really taking place in my life? Mark eleven twenty two, And I want you to circle words when I get there. I'll tell you. Have faith, circle these two words, in God. Jesus answered. You see, faith has to have an object. Jesus didn't say, have faith in faith. Have faith in your pastor. Have faith in your past experiences and victories. Have faith in your church. No, he didn't say any of that. He said, you have trust in faith in God. Now, here's the definition of faith. It'll take you a moment to write it down, but I want you to do that. Real active faith, in other words, vibrance, got something to it, quality. It's believing the word of God, which means the promises of God, and then acting on it. It's not just belief. Belief has got to be put into action. No matter how I feel or what I see, because God promises a good result. A good result. You see, the object of faith is not me, it's not the church, it's not my education, it's not the years I've been teaching. The object of faith in my life is God himself and his word, and his word. Beth Moore says it like this, we believe in God, but we really don't believe God. You see, it has to have an object. Now, how do I get this kind of faith? The Bible tells us that every one of us have been given a measure of faith. You've been given a measure of faith. Well, how does that get healthy? Romans 10, 17, the New King James says it like this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we read, the more we hear, the more we obey the word of God, the more faith we will have. Now, think about this. If this is what changes lives, Jesus said it didn't happen because of your faith. If this is what changes lives, what will, and I'm giving you the answer already, what will Satan attack? It's the word of God. So the more you're in the word of God, the more faith grows, the more useful I am in the valley. 
because I understand the promises of God. Now, let me bring a balance to you. Next, next statement you want to write. True faith must always be based on a command or a promise of God. Now, what's the opposite of that? You and I are not free to determine what God wants to do without asking him for his will. If we try to have faith and just say, God, I want you to do it my way, and I, I know this is where you're going. I don't need to ask you. I'm doing this thing. Then that's presumption. Presumption is not faith. So you and I just can't go and say, God, I want you to do this. I'm going to speak it with the mouth. Here it's going to happen. No, no, no. I respond to the written word of God, and I discover the promises of God in there, and that's when I can have faith that God's going to work. Let me give you a couple examples. This week I had two funerals. When I get in a teaching environment, when I do a funeral, and at the end I always give an altar call for people to accept Christ. How do I know, how do I know from the word of God, do I walk into that thing expectantly? Absolutely. So when I give an altar call, I expect people to get changed at the end. Now, why is that? Well, I know this. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise from God. Nobody turned away. So if the person's serious, God's going to save them. By the way, what's the biggest mountain in any person's life? It's their sin. And see, typically in an environment, you have all the relatives come and friends. They're not in church. And so they think they're going to heaven because of their good works. By the way, you can't push a mountain of sin out of your life with good works. That mountain's already been taken care of on Mount Calvary. And so I say to them, you can't become a believer until you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, admit you're a sinner, and then begin to follow him. I don't use the term Christian very much, and I explain to them why. Because most of you people sitting in this funeral think you're Christians. You're not. By the way, the United States is not a Christian nation anymore, in case you didn't know. So I challenge him. So I go expectantly. Now, what if no one accepts the Lord? That's okay, because I have another promise. You know what it is? His word never returns void. I have people that will call me or email me. I don't know if one person will or 12 or none. I leave that up to God. I do my part. But I know if they come, he'll save them. I get people to email me. Pastor Mark, I need it to come to bed, but I was afraid to come. Will God still save me? I said, no, you have to come next Sunday. (laughs) No. What do I do? Pray with them on the phone right there. Can they get saved right there? Absolutely. Now, what happened? As long as I'm preaching the word and I'm not sinning, it's not my fault. What happened when that person calls me on Monday was the word was planted and it kept growing to the point the guy goes, can't take it anymore. I got to turn my life over to God. Yes. It doesn't return to me void. So understand that's what we're talking about here in the scripture. So real faith requires expectancy. Look at verse 23 and 24. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that that will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it. And it will be yours. By verse 24, just write the will of God. The will of God. I can't ask just anything. James 
John 15 both tell us that I have to ask in the will of God. So the next statement you may want to write is this. Nothing in the will of God is impossible for those who have real faith. That opens the door of opportunity incredibly to me. It's awesome. Nothing's impossible. Now, turn with me back to where you were, Matthew 17. As you get there, and I'm going to go fairly quickly now. As you get there, I want you to turn to verse 21. Some of you will have verse 21 in your Bibles. Some of you will not. That's because, well, this verse was omitted in some manuscripts. So if you have a New King James or King James, you'll have this. If you have some of the others, you don't. I don't worry about that because it doesn't change the Bible, but it does this. I think it fits perfectly. And why? I'm going to give you three reasons that Jesus said their faith was not quality. By the way, the verse you see down the overhead says this. This kind, this kind of healing, deliverance, does not, this demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And fasting. Let me give you three reasons the disciples failed. They're the same reasons that we fail when we try to minister to people who need a mountain or a difficult situation moved in their life. Number one, their lack of faith came from their lack of the word. You know, while the nine disciples were down below, they weren't in the word of God probably like they had been because Jesus, the word, wasn't with them. I've discovered this. If I'm not in the word currently, fresh, then really my faith weakens. Why? Let's remember the scenario. How do I get good faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm not in the word of God, could it be that these guys, the nine just said, this is a piece of cake. We've done this before. And they relied on past times. Yes, they could have. Yes, I could. You see, every service that I teach, I try to listen to the Spirit and go where He's taking me. Oh, the principle's the same. I never move away from the context, but He knows. So we have to be very careful that we don't become just confident in our own faith. No, I'm confident in the current faith that I have from reading the Word of God. The more we read, the more we're reminded that God is God and we're not. Number two. Jesus said their lack of faith came from their lack of prayer. Could it be that these disciples, watch my scenario. Here's the man with a son. Could it be that the nine got around and they just went like this, in the name of Jesus be healed? Could it be that they went through a formula? Could it be they just put oil on his head in the name of Jesus be healed? Could it be that they never even prayed before they prayed? Yes. See, what you want at these back rooms at the end of the service are prayer counselors. Those prayer counselors are only as good as their prayer before they pray. Where does that come? Oh, it doesn't come in here. That comes in their quiet time. See, my teaching is only as good as my quiet time with God during the week. It doesn't come from fancy stories, climbing ladders. It comes from a time of saying to God, all prayer is, is saying I need your help. I'm dependent on you, God. That's what prayer is. Number three, 
Their lack of faith came from their lack of spiritual discipline. Let me include fasting in there. You see, fasting, it humbles us. Fasting just reminds us of our humanity. As we fast, we're once again reminded of our dependence on God. What I think in fasting, when a person has a difficult situation and they have to make this decision and they can't seem to get an answer and they come to me, I often recommend to them just spend two days, three days of fasting. Get alone in those times and let God speak to you. You see, the will of God often comes out during fasting. So, Pastor Mark, I don't have time to fool with that. I mean, that, that's, that's too much of a discipline. Well, then you're going to miss God from time to time. It's not a way we twist God's arm. Okay, God, I'm giving you these three days. Make sure you come through. That's wrong. But fasting is a spiritual discipline. Jesus said, these only come out by prayer and fasting. Here's a statement. It's not a positive one, but you need to see it. Mountains don't move when we operate independent from God. You see, the disciples may have been in the technique. Jesus wanted them into relationship. I'm at my best when I'm in a lifestyle that recognizes my need of the word, my need of prayer, and a spiritual discipline on a daily, ongoing basis. That's when I'm my best. When that isn't happening, mountains, difficulties in my life, people that I pray for, it doesn't move. It doesn't move. Now, I believe as Christians, we live way under what God wants. I believe most Christians live here. I believe if our faith would be challenged and growing and maturing and healthy here. Ephesians tells us this. It simply says to us, now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we'd ever dare to ask or hope. I want to challenge you this week. We're going to finish this next week, the teaching on faith. It's going to be very exciting as you see Jesus say to Peter, go fishing. Amazing what he goes fishing for. I believe we live way under what God wants. I'm talking to myself. I want my faith to be stretched and to expect God to do miracle after miracle after miracle. That's why he has us in the valley. Everything in our life happens for a reason. Now you tell me that the steps of a righteous man aren't ordered by the Lord? Oh, yes, they are. And nothing, listen, nothing happens in our life by accident. You are in the valley. I'm in the valley. Quit thinking about yourself and start looking for doors of opportunity. Doors of opportunity in a chemo clinic while I'm getting it. That's God. Have you ever wondered how much of God's will could be accomplished if we just exercised faith in His promises? In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark showed us that nothing in the will of God is impossible if we will trust God. When we act independently, however, nothing changes. But when we do trust Him, God goes to work. Are you trusting Him today? Are you resting all of your faith in Him and His promises? Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Real faith is always based on God and His Word. It's believing God and acting on His promises regardless of what we see or feel at the moment. When we do that, we begin to see great things from God. For faith to be true, it must always be based on God and His Word. As we'll hear, the Bible is God's roadmap and has answers for all of life, even regarding whether we should pay taxes. Tune in to see how the Bible answers even this important question next time. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world. Here